Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, August 12th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A top Federal Reserve official told the FT that the U.S. Central Bank could dial back on its ultra-loose monetary policy as early as this year. And the White House has called on OPEC to boost oil production. Plus, during the pandemic, British businesses accumulated more than six billion pounds of unpaid rent. No one quite knows who's going to end up holding the can. Is it going to be landlords, tenants, the government, lenders? We don't know. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. In an interview with the Financial Times, San Francisco Federal Reserve President Mary Daly said that given the strength of the U.S. economic rebound, the Fed could start dialing back its pandemic-related monetary stimulus by the end of the year. Daly is the latest Fed official to say the central bank could start reversing its ultra-loose monetary policy. The Fed has said that it would continue buying $120 billion of agency mortgage-backed securities and treasuries each month until it achieved what it called substantial further progress on its 2% inflation and maximum employment goals. Mary Daly expressed confidence in the economic recovery and said those thresholds were likely to be met by the end of the year or early on in 2022. Her comments came on the same day that Kansas City Fed President Esther George said it was time to transition from, quote, extraordinary monetary accommodation to more neutral settings. The White House yesterday called on OPEC to produce more oil. The hope is to lower gas prices. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that while OPEC and its oil-producing allies had recently agreed to boost production, that move wouldn't offset cuts that were imposed during the pandemic until well into 2022. So far, no response from OPEC. Our U.S. political correspondent Lauren Fedor says the White House is hoping for some political dividends in addition to lower petrol prices. The president is facing several political pressures here at home. Most notable are rising prices for consumers. And one of the price areas which the White House and consumers are concerned about is gasoline, is the cost of filling up your tank and, and hitting the road, which you know many, many Americans drive their cars every day. Um, and they're therefore incredibly sensitive to rising gas prices. Biden, at the same time, wants to be pushing through a very ambitious public spending program. You know, we've talked about the infrastructure bill that passed earlier this week. There's a $3.5 trillion budget the Democrats want to push through as well. And the Republican arguments against those measures are you're spending too much, you're driving up inflation and consumer prices. And so Biden and the White House, you know, wanted to be out on the front foot yesterday ahead of those latest CPI figures saying, look, we recognize prices on certain goods, in this case on gasoline is high, and here's what we're doing to encourage competition and make sure that prices are low. Lauren Fedor is the FT's Washington correspondent. As business owners know all too well, having to close up shop during the pandemic has made it hard, if not impossible, to pay their rent. In the UK, the government tried to help businesses, but ended up creating a standoff between commercial tenants and their landlords. And how this pans out could reshape the UK high street. The FT's George Hammond has been reporting on this and joins me now. Hi, George. Hey, Mark. So, George, this is a crisis that's really been brewing since the beginning of the pandemic, right? Like, what stage are we at now? 
So yeah, it's been building for 15 months, 16 months. In fact, my, my first week in, in this job was mid-March. We went into lockdown on the 23rd of March. I think the first date for commercial payment of rent for you know this moment when tenants have to pay their rent for the following three months fell on the 25th of March. And lo and behold, because high streets were shut, a whole bunch of tenants didn't pay. And that has happened every three months subsequently. And you now have this massive pile of unpaid rent. It's um, six and a half odd billion, I think, at the latest calculation. And where we are now is, um, well, no one quite knows. By and large, there's this kind of wait and see attitude of when we get to the end of the pandemic, hopefully some of the rent will be able to be paid off, but actually a lot of it probably won't. So um, yeah, no one quite knows who's going to end up holding the can. Is it going to be landlords, tenants, the government, lenders? We don't know. Now, part of the problem, George, is that the government tried to help by uh, imposing a ban on evictions, but ended up making the situation worse, or at least, you know, complicating the situation. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's important to say that there isn't really an easy or neat, elegant solution to this crisis, just to say that to, to kind of give the government some cover on that front. But what they have done is attempt to kind of cast this protective net around tenants. That's been their focus. So one of the key ways that the government has tried to do that alongside measures like the furlough scheme is to say, we appreciate you're not going to be able to pay your rent, but your landlords won't be able to come and kick you out. So you're safe. That's all well and good in terms of protecting tenants, but they've kind of thrown it out to tenants and landlords to negotiate their own rental agreements. And some of those have been managed fine and seamlessly, but there are a pretty significant number of cases where agreement hasn't been reached. I think the estimates from the industry bodies is about a quarter of all cases. So you have this hard core of unpaid rent and tenants and landlords who don't know which way it's going to fall. They're kind of waiting for a, for a nod from the government and a nod from the government is not forthcoming. That has been a real problem because if you're a landlord and you're trying to figure out how, how do you plan for a world after the pandemic if you have no idea what you're going to regain in rent, uh, if you're an investor in UK commercial real estate, how on earth do you invest? So I, I think what you hear on both sides, this is probably particularly true of the landlords, but the tenants are saying it too, is you know we, we would like some clarity from the government and, and that hasn't been forthcoming. Is the government working on it at all? So the government has said they will introduce a, an arbitration mechanism. So they're hoping that industry will figure this out to the greatest degree that it can. But then as a backstop, there's this arbitration mechanism. It's very unclear, I mean, not least who the arbitrator will be, but what that mechanism will look like. So they've signaled that there will be some kind of backstop for those, those hardcore of rent disputes, which haven't been resolved, but they haven't really given any detail on what that will look like. So um, yeah, it's as yet undefined. How does this shake out? You know, what does the high street look like in five, 10 years? I think it's going to be pretty painful. I mean, look, there's three kind of very broadly speaking, three groups who could who could take the hit here. So you have tenants who might take the hit and that I think would lead to more business collapse. And look, formally, this is rent debt. They owe this money. And you might then say, okay, if you're being particularly hard-nosed, you'd expect them to pay that, having to pay that would mean collapse for a lot of these businesses. So that's one outcome, which is obviously not very desirable. The other is that landlords take the hit and, and that will be fine for some of the bigger, better capitalized landlords. But actually, a lot of the high street is not in that kind of ownership. It's smaller, piecemeal landlord ownership. And for those guys who are less well capitalized, that, that will be a significant hit for them. It might push them over at the very least. It will mean they have less to invest in high streets, which whatever the case will need regenerating after this crisis. 
The third is that the government or lenders take the hit on this. You know, we're talking about six and a half billion pounds, which is just a black hole. So yeah, it's um, it's it's probably not a great outlook for the high street. George Hammond is the FT's property correspondent. Thanks, George. Thanks, Mark. Before we go, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, hamburgers. The fast food chain Wendy's has enjoyed delicious sales during the pandemic, and yesterday it said it planned to open more than 2,000 new restaurants over the next four years in North America and the UK. Now, at least 700 of these new restaurants will be what are called dark kitchens. These are kitchens that only cook for delivery and are located on parking lots. Dark kitchens are basically a bet that our delivery habit will continue beyond the pandemic. Wendy's also wants to boost its presence on apps like DoorDash and Uber Eats without spending a ton of money on rent and fitting out locations. The other neat thing about this story is Wendy's dark kitchens will be operated by a company called Reef Technology. It's backed by SoftBank. Reef is a parking lot management company that, well, saw the writing on the kitchen wall and found another way to make money from its land. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.